0: All right, hey, let's stand to our feet. As we stand to our feet, I want you to say these words. All of you joining us, say these words with me. Say, I will. I will. Not fear. not fear. I want to say it again because I think this is a message that God wants us to understand. Say, I will. I will. Not fear. Not fear. There's a verse in the Bible that the Lord brought me to as we look at this weekend with the, the things that have taken place. If you're not careful, you're going to live under a cloud, and God doesn't want you to live under a cloud. In fact, the scripture says, Don't be anxious for anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And the God of peace will put a guard around your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Come on, how many want to walk in the peace of God? We're not going to walk in the fear of man. We're going to walk in the peace of God. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. So let's read what the Bible teaches us in Psalm 118, verse 6. Let's read it all together. We're going to read this first part. Say it, ready? The Lord is on my side. Now let's stop right there. Come on, let that sink in. Because that's a foundational understanding of how you and I can walk in no fear. Let's say it again. Ready? The Lord is on my side. And so what's the result? Ready? I will not fear. I want you to close your eyes. Lord, we're not going to live in fear. We're not going to live in fear. But, Lord, we're going to understand how to walk in the peace of God. So, Lord, I bless your people. Right now, I pray, anoint these words that are spoken and anoint our hearts to hear and receive it right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody shouts. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Kelsey. We live in a culture, in a world that really, uh, it just really emanates Fear. People are afraid of everything. I mean, people are afraid of things like failure. How many are afraid of failure? Some of you are afraid to raise your hand. You're afraid you would have failed if you tried. We're afraid of failure. How many know that uh, people are afraid of, of pain? People are afraid of things like this, loneliness. People are afraid of rejection, right? Right? People are, in, in our PC culture that we live in, people are afraid of offending somebody. We live in a culture where people, if they're not careful, they can be driven by fear. Obviously, there are fears that are legitimate. The, what took place this week, I mean, it's, it's scary the thought of someone grabbing a gun and coming onto a campus. So we, we have a culture that if we're not careful, we can buy into this mindset of fear and be driven by our fear. I mean, some fears, though, they're not necessarily legitimate. They're more in the mind. How many of you ever had things that, were, that you were maybe afraid of that, like, for instance, to give you an example. How many of you know have kids, but your kids love Disney? Okay, only eight of you. So I don't know about the rest of you. My kids loved Disney growing up, right? And they would watch these Disney movies and <laughs> you'd have Belle or you'd have Mickey or you'd have Buzz and they loved Disney. In fact, we'd go to Disneyland and when they get to Disneyland, they would love Disneyland. They couldn't wait to see Buzz Lightyear or Mickey Mouse and they'd get in the line to see Buzz Lightyear or Mickey Mouse and they would love them until they got to the front of the line. Come on, how I many of you talking about? And as soon as they got to the front of the line, what would happen? Ah! They would be screaming and crying. You're like having to pry them off of your leg. And then, then you'd get the picture. How many of you have the picture, right? You're standing there and your child looks like they're jumping out of their skin um, and it's scared to death of Buzz Lightyear. And there you've got the picture of Buzz Lightyear, mom and... Come on, anybody have the picture? <coughs> so They were afraid. I've heard that the word fear could actually uh, be an acrostic for false evidence appearing real. F-E-A-R. There's lots of quotes about fear. I actually went online and looked up quotes, and I found a quote that most of you know. Um, In fact, you'll probably finish it for me. It says this, but I found a funny version of it, but it says this. It says, the only thing to fear is... Fear itself. See, you've heard it. The the one I found online I thought was funny. It says, the only thing to fear is fear itself. And spiders. <laughs> I'm not trivializing, trivializing fear today, but I don't believe that God wants you and I to live in a state of fear. I believe he wants us to live in a state of peace because he sent his son named Jesus who is not just a person who understands peace, he's the prince, the ruler of peace. And so today, if we're gonna live without fear in our culture, I wanna give you three thoughts about fear as it relates to scripture. Everybody say, I will will. not not fear. I believe with all my heart that we need to counter what the enemy is going to try to bring. And that is a spirit of fear. So here's the first point. If you're taking notes, number one, here's the thing. I will not fear because God said not to. I will not fear because God said not to. I wanna go back to a verse in the Bible and it's found in Joshua chapter one, verse nine. And in this passage, what's happened is the children of Israel have come to the edge of the promised land. And they're gonna be going across the Jordan into the promised land out of the wilderness. Here's the challenge. The challenge is, is that Moses, their leader, has died. He's dead. And so now Joshua is the one who's supposed to take up the reins of leadership and lead them across. And I gotta tell you, I have a feeling that that. Joshua had a lot of fear going on in his heart. He was feeling afraid. What if they don't follow me? What if they, what if I can't, what if God doesn't do the kinds of things he did with Moses when he parted the Red Sea? He's got to lead these people and he's afraid. So what does God say? Here's God's command. Here's God's um, statement to Joshua. He says, this is my, what's the word? This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. He said, here's what I'm telling you, don't fear. He says, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. When I read this verse, here's what I find interesting, is God didn't say, when it comes to fear, hey, here's my suggestion. He didn't say, hey, oh, here's my advice. Or he didn't say, you know, this is a good idea for you to consider, he actually lists this on the same level as the Ten Commandments. He says, this is my command. In other words, this isn't an option. You, you don't need to be over here. You need to be over here. You don't need to live in fear. You need to live in peace. This is my command. Don't fear. I will not fear because God said not to. But, but wait a minute, Pastor Jared. You know, I, I feel afraid. Let me just say, sometimes we do. We feel afraid. Sometimes we feel certain things. I think that he said this because he knew that Joshua was feeling afraid of, a, of the massive thing that he had before him to, to try to lead his people. But what's interesting is that, that even though Joshua was feeling afraid, here's what Jesus or here's what God didn't say. God didn't say, "Don't feel afraid." God said, don't be afraid, because I believe what God is saying is this. Just because you feel afraid doesn't mean you have to be afraid. Come on, are you with me? Because here's the point. The point is simply this. Just because you have fear doesn't mean fear has to have you. Just because you have fear doesn't mean that fear has to have you. You don't have to be ruled by your emotions. You don't have to be ruled by the way you feel. You can rise above the way you feel to experience something better and something different. I want to give you an example of of something, and I'll tie this into what we're talking about. But as many of you know, we're opening our, our Canyon Country location, and we have one more preview service in December, and then we open every Sunday morning in January. We're going to be meeting over there. One of the things that God spoke to my heart was that we should walk around canyon country and pray, just like Caleb when they went into the promised land. He said, everywhere you take your step, that is territory that belongs to the Lord. And so I've been doing that with different prayer partners. Sometimes it's been staff, sometimes it's been volunteers and people that just go with me. And I've walked around the valley. Well, this last Monday, before all the tragic stuff happened, on Monday, I finally completed my walk around um, canyon country Up in the mountains Walking and praying Over the valley And during that um, Experience It ended up being I, I, I went up, It was quite a bit longer Than I thought I thought it was about Eight miles It ended up being Fifteen miles And so I ended up Walking fifteen miles Through the mountains On Monday And completed That prayer walk And I just want to show you A little A few clips of Of that And then I'm going to Relate it to our first point But take a look at the screens Hey guys Pastor Jared here I'm with Tim And uh, we're on a prayer walk We're hoping to finish Today the northern part of Canyon Country, believing that God's going to give us this territory. We've got our Canyon Country campus coming this weekend again. So I'm going to ask you to pray with us. We're starting here with prayer. In fact, will you pray with me? God, we just dedicate this walk. We dedicate this time to you. Lord, as Caleb took a step, every step he took, God, you gave it to him. And we're claiming ground for the kingdom. So move mightily. We're going to pray. We're going to believe that you're going to do incredible things. Join us for prayer. Um, Watch the story and pray with us. Move the mountains, and I believe i'll see you do it again you made a way you got to pray the price, and we're believing that as we walked and we prayed, revivals breaking out over this valley Canyon country Saugus, Valencia, Stevenson ranch Castaic, a new hall god's getting ready to move God is good. Got a little crazy, had to go over some really steep terrain. Slides down one side, slides down the other. God's doing some good stuff. Believing for miracles, it's canyon country. Careful. They had the fire in this area. We're believing for God to send holy fire. brings repentance and purity, and that God will bring healing and restoration in this area. So pray with us for that. Move the mountains. Getting close. Almost there. Come on, look at it. This valley belongs to Jesus. When there was no way, and I believe. I'll show you in just a second this area where we're actually walking where they had the fire. If you look, uh, you can see all of this area was burned. And um, kind of goes around. God, take us higher. Take you and your family higher. Come on, take higher ground, in Jesus' name. Come to the end of my walk. I just have a, a little bit left. Let me turn it around here. You can see down to that water tower. I'm going down to those roads down there. This valley right here, i walked almost 16 miles today all right guys this is the end i'm running i've got blisters that are killing my feet i didn't expect for it to be so long today i gotta tell you it feels good to know that i made it, it feels good to know god's gonna honor his promise miracles are coming santa clarita valley 41 miles, right here, Woo! we made it, Woo! almost 15 miles today and it ended up being 41 miles that we walked. If you were watching the video there was a spot there where you could see um, Tim uh, Traug is with me and he was walking on this mountain top. and it, the way that it looked on the video you couldn't quite see how steep it was but it was incredibly steep on each side of the, the mountain was like a 150 yard just drop it was you know maybe at an angle like this and the, the path that we were walking on was this wide now have you ever done something and you haven't thought it through? Well, I hadn't quite thought it through, and what I hadn't really thought through is that I'm scared of heights. We're talking about fear. I'm scared of heights. And when I got to, you could see it when he was walking behind him, there was this one area where the mountain went up about 20 to 30 feet and then came right back down. But it was very steep, it was very, very uh, narrow. And when I got there, I'll be honest with you, I did not feel like continuing. I felt like quitting. But I had a decision to make, am I going to operate in my feelings, or am I going to operate in my faith? Am I going to focus on how I feel, or am I going to focus on the destination God's called me to? And so for me, I had to overcome my fear, and I literally, and I'm not embarrassed to say this, I literally got on my knees and my hands, and I crawled over the top of that mountain. Because I was afraid standing up with a a heavy backpack on, the rocks were loose. If I walked and stepped wrong, you could see on the the next slide when they were coming down, we literally, as he was walking, I was below him, rocks were were rolling, big rocks were rolling down. So I got on my hands and knees and I climbed over the, the mountain because I didn't let my feeling determine. You see, the question is, you can have fear, but does fear have you? And a lot of people are in a place now where they're living in fear because of what happens, and I understand that that can create fear, but you need to understand something. God has more for you than living in a place of limitation, staying where you are, never reaching the potential that God has for you, never starting that new business, never finding a spouse because you're afraid you're getting rejected, never opening up that, that new um, client, working with those new clients, never stepping out into that ministry, never doing what God's called you, never serving in the church never giving your tithe I'm telling you the devil will keep you back from things God has promised you if you stay in the realm of feeling rather than say Lord I'm going to walk in the level and realm of faith come on y'all with me the word fear I've heard it's an acrostic that can mean forget everything and run but I choose to believe instead maybe it stands for forget everything and rise I will not fear because God told me not to. The second thing is this. I will not fear because fear doesn't come from God. I will not fear because fear doesn't come from God. I want to go back to a verse in 2 Timothy. And in this verse... Paul is speaking to his spiritual son, and his spiritual son could could easily become afraid. He'd been handed a new church in a city in Ephesus that there'd been all kinds of challenges. In fact, Paul had to literally slip out of town trying to save his own life. They tried to kill him, and so it could have been easy for this new young pastor with not a lot of experience who happened to be connected to the Gentile faith, or or to Gentiles, because of his father. He could have been afraid. So in his new step, in his new season, what does his spiritual father tell him? He says, this is why I'm reminding you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. So he's saying, remember, remember when I laid my hands on you? Remember last week we talked about the fact that we need to be revived in our breath and the spirit of God? And one of the ways the spirit comes is through the laying on of hands. That's why we have prayer team members over here and you can come and get prayer. Why? Because you're, you're able to receive the impartation of the release of God's spirit. And here's what he says. He says, remember That through the laying on of hands, you've been given a gift. And here's why. You need to understand, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. God hasn't given you fear and timidity, but power, love, and self-discipline. In other words, remember what you've been given. God didn't give you fear. He gave you something else. He gave you something greater than fear. The reality is I believe there's a spirit of fear. The scripture says it. Now, there are natural fears that are part of being human. One of them is the fear that has to do with fight or flight. When something happens and you know you've got to either fight or you've got you to run, right? And that's a natural fear that rises up. You get adrenaline and your body responds. That's natural and normal. But I'm telling you, there is a spirit that the enemy, I think it's his favorite tool in his toolbox that he likes to use against Christians. And that is, he tries to bring fear into your life to limit you and hinder you from the thing that God has for you. You see, I believe that fear gives access to the enemy, but faith gives access to God. And a lot of us are allowing fear to have access in our life because we're entertaining something that God never intended for us to have. He said, listen, I haven't intended to give you fear. I didn't give it to you. The enemies bring it on you. So remember, I didn't give it to you. I gave you something else. In fact, what I gave you is enough and powerful enough to counteract what the enemy might try to bring your way what is it? In fact, let me just say that spirit of fear, it'll try to rob you of so much. Remember what Job said in Job 3? He said, the thing I feared came upon me. How many people are experiencing things in their lives because they've given access in their lives to fear? And they've allowed the enemy to start to work. And the next thing you know, they start thinking, well, you know, I'm gonna, this is gonna, and and suddenly they're not willing to step out and some people aren't willing to, to move to the next level, to try something new, to take a step of faith. Why? Because, you know, when fear comes, you're, you you freeze. You quit moving. What does the Bible say? Faith is through works, right? Faith without works is dead. We walk by faith. We don't stand by faith. We walk by faith. Fear will cause you to stay right where you are and limit you from things that God has for you. So what I love is that the scripture says that that God said, listen, you need to understand that if you're experiencing fear, if a spirit of fear is on you, remember and know something, I didn't give it to you. And also remember something, I did give you something, and it's called the spirit, and that spirit is power, love, And the translation says, a sound mind. Can I tell you, I think the greatest enemy that you have is not that person that you're angry at or that situation that you're angry at. I think the greatest enemy is not a person, a place, or a thing. It's fear. Because fear wants to rob you. It it counteracts what God has come to give you, which is his peace. I heard a quote and it's this. Fear kills more dreams than failure ever will. So here's what God says. God says, remember, it didn't come from me it didn't come from me in fact what came from me is power love and a sound mind can I tell you that God has given you what you need to overcome fear love his love inside of you I want you to read what it says in 1 John 4 verse 18 he says I've given you love and love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear you have what you need inside of you to overcome the feelings of fear that have held you back it's time to give access to God through faith rather than letting the The enemy run rampant by giving him access through fear. Y'all with me? Say amen. I will not fear because God said not to. And I will not fear because God didn't give it to me. And if God didn't give it to me, then I don't want anything to do with it. Y'all with me? Say amen. I want to give you the last thought, and that is I will not fear because God is with me. I will not fear because God is with me. I want to show you a verse, and it's in the the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 43. And this is a verse that, it's a well-known verse. In fact, there's an old song that back in church years ago, we used to sing this song based on this verse. Let me read it to you. It says, listen to the Lord who created you. The one who formed you says... So God says, listen, remember what I'm about to tell you. This is not just anybody that's talking to you. This is the person that made you. This is the person that created you. I know how you think. I know how you act. I know what your makeup is. I know what your process is. He said, the one who made you, the one who formed you says, don't be afraid. Do not fear. Why? For I have ransomed you, and I have called you by name, and you are mine. Now let me pause right there for a second. First of all, that old song that we used to sing. Some of you might have heard it, um, but it goes like this: "Fear not, for I am with you." Anybody remember the song? "Fear not, for I am with you," says the Lord. Come on, anybody remember that old song? Do I have anybody? Any takers? You remember that one? All right. The best part was the "Oh." Anyway, sorry, some of you, just, I digress, I digress. It's interesting because it comes from this passage and it begins by saying this. Here's why you don't need to fear, because I have ransomed you. I made you and I ransomed you. The word ransom there is the same word, it can be translated redeemed. And so what this passage is referring to, in those days, if someone, for instance, were a slave, someone could redeem a slave and buy them out of slavery and set them free. I've redeemed you, I've bought you, I've ransomed you, God said I made you, I created you and now I've purchased you, I've redeemed you reminds me of a story I told a few months ago and it was a story about a little boy who created and built this little sailboat and he was so uh, proud of this little sailboat and he went out to the river and he started sailing it on the water and it was, it was going around and suddenly there was a, a big wind that came and it started, the stream started kind of going fast and the, the sailboat started going downstream and he was running, following the sailboat because he wanted this sailboat that he'd made. Well, it, it just kept going and eventually he lost it downstream and had to go home with his head hung low because he'd lost this beautiful little boat that he'd made. One day, a few days later when he's walking home from school, he walks by the store, and in the window, guess what's in the window? His little boat that he had created. He gets all excited, and he runs in, and he says, Hey, uh, manager, uh, Mr. Manager, that boat, that's my boat. And the manager said, I'm sorry, young man, but that's not your boat. That's our boat. We bought it, but you can have it as your boat if you want to buy it for a dollar. How I many of know this is a really old story if he was able to buy a boat for a dollar? Come on Come on, anybody remember when candy was only, uh, a candy bar was only 25 cents? Come on, you remember that? So I had in the first service, someone goes, five cents. I remember when it was a nickel. Come on, that's going back a ways right there. It was a dollar for this boat. He was devastated because that's a lot of money. He walks out of the store, goes home, and then he gets home, he's like, wait a minute. And he goes to his, his piggy bank and he empties it out and he starts collecting all of his money. Just so happens when he collects all his money, he counts... A hundred pennies. He has one dollar. So he grabs his pennies and he runs back to the store. And he runs in and he says, there, Mr. Manager, I want to buy my boat. And he throws the money down on the counter. And the manager says, okay, you can have your boat. And he grabbed the boat. And as he walked out of the store holding that boat in his arms, he looked at that little boat and he said, I made you and then I bought you. You're twice mine. And that story is an illustration of I have ransomed you. God created you and we tend to go off our own way. But God loved you so much that not only did he create you, he bought you. How did he do it? He sent his son, Jesus Christ, who died on a cross. And the Bible says that he paid the price for your debt, your sin. We all had a price. It's called the wages of sin is death. And because he paid the price, he bought you. He redeemed you. And you're twice his. And so he says, listen, you don't have to be afraid because I've got you. I've bought you. I created you and I am with you. You're not in this alone I have ransomed you. Do not be afraid. I will not fear, says the Lord, because he's ransomed me. Not, not only that, in fact, can I read you a scripture in, in uh, Romans? Look what it says in Romans 8 it says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God, so you have not received a spirit that makes you, what's the next word? Fearful, Fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. Because he created you, because he made you, because he's adopted you, and he's redeemed you, you don't have to be fearful. I will not be afraid. I will not fear, for God is with me. It's interesting. Let's go back to Isaiah. And Isaiah says, don't be afraid. I've ransomed you. You're mine. And then he said this. When you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. And then he goes on to say, and when you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. And when you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord, your Savior. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will not fear, for God is with me. You know what I find really interesting about this Phrase in the in the scripture. He's, he didn't say, if you go through the fire. He didn't say, if the waters rise and you're in a flood. From the very beginning, before you even created, when he formed you, he said, When you go through the fire. Because the reality is that God knows. In fact, it's, it's the words of Jesus being echoed earlier on in history. Remember when Jesus said, and this is kind of crazy if you think about it, and you just look at, at phrases. He starts by saying, I say I say this to you to give you peace. He says, in this world, you will have troubles. doesn't sound very peaceful. But then we realize that it's not a period at the end of that statement. It's a comma. Because he says, I've, given, I've said this to give you peace. Because when you have trouble... Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. I am with you. I will not leave you. I'm a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Lo, I'm with you until the end of the age. Jesus says, listen, not if you have trouble, but when you have trouble, you need to understand something. You don't have to be afraid. Why? Because I've got you. I'm holding you. You're not in this alone. You're not by yourself. I will not fear because God is with me. Reminds me of a story that I read, and it's a story about a woman who called a silversmith and made an appointment to watch him do his work. As she watched, he held a piece of silver over the fire and let it heat up. He explained to the woman that he was refining the silver. And he said, You need to hold the silver in the middle of the fire where the flames are the hottest. To burn away all the impurities. The woman thought about God holding us in such a hot spot. Then she thought again about the verse that says that he sits as a refiner and a purifier of silver. She then asked the silversmith if it was true that he had to sit there in front of the fire the whole time the silver was being refined. The man answered, of course, yes, He said, he not only had to sit there holding the silver, but he had to keep an eye on the silver the entire time it was in the fire. Because if the silver was left even a moment too long, in the flames, it would be destroyed. The woman was silent for a moment, and then she asked the silversmith, well, how do you know when the silver is finally refined? And the silversmith looked at her and said, oh, with a laugh, oh, that's easy when I can finally see my image in it. You see, oftentimes we think, well, wait a minute, why, why do I have to go through the fire? Wait a minute, why are problems coming? I'm a, I'm a Christian, and when you're a Christian, you don't have problems. No, God said in this world, you will go through fires. In this world, you will go through troubles. In this world, you will have issues that are difficult that you don't understand. But here's what you need to know, that when you're in the fire, God is holding you. He hasn't forgotten you and he's with you in the middle of the fire. And what's beautiful is that God can take even tragedy and he can bring triumph. He can take what the enemy meant for evil and he can turn it for good. And suddenly he can begin to sharpen and, and transform and change you and impurities start to disappear. Where suddenly now you begin to reflect the image and the love of Jesus Christ, even though you're going through a storm. I will not fear because God is with me. You know what's interesting? is that the three Hebrew children who said, we won't bow, remember that? It was not until they went into the fire that they saw the fourth man. There's a lot of people that haven't seen the presence of Jesus in his most powerful form in your life because every time fear comes, you run rather than rise. And what I'm telling you today is that God isn't intended for you to run. He's intended for you to rise. He's intended you to say, I will not fear. I'm going to overcome just the feelings of this situation. I might have fear, but fear will not have me. I'm going to rise and stand in faith, not live in fear. I'm going to be in peace, not walk in fear. I will not fear because God told me not to. I will not fear because God didn't give it to me. And I will not fear because He's ransomed me. And he's holding me. And I'm not alone. I'll end with this Bible story. It's a story about a man by the name of Elisha. He was a prophet. What's interesting about Elisha is that there was an enemy that kept attacking the nation of Israel. But what was really interesting is that God kept speaking to Elisha and telling Elisha the plans of where the enemy was going to attack before they would attack. So the enemy would show up thinking they were gonna surprise Israel and Israel was already waiting for him. And they kept being defeated and finally the the people of that land said, you know what, we gotta take out Elisha because Elisha literally, whatever we whisper in secret, he ends up telling the king. So we gotta take him out. So one day they discover where, this is in 2 Kings chapter six, they discover where Elisha is And when Elisha's servant gets up, he's staying in this town. When Elisha's servant gets up, he kind of walks out to the, you know, to the standing at the top of the wall of the town. And he stretches and he opens his eyes. And suddenly his eyes get this big because you know what's out there? Thousands of soldiers are surrounding the city. And he starts freaking out. He's like, oh no, what are we going to do? They're here for us. And so he runs back to Elijah, Elisha. He says, Elisha, come here. You got to see this. And so Elijah comes out and he sees it. And when he sees it, he goes, what are we going to do? What are we going to do, Elisha? And Elisha looks at him and here's what he says. So profound, so important to the context of our passage. He looks at me, and says, oh, hey, fear not. But what are you talking about? What, what do you mean? What do you, Linda, Linda, listen. You know, what Have what you see? Look at how many people are out there. There are thousands of soldiers. And, and, then, and then Elisha goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't realize it. Fear not. Because there are more of us than there are of them. He's like, what? Did you have math class? One, two. <laughs> oh, and then Elisha goes, oh, yeah, that's right you don't see what I see. See, you're living in the realm of fear because you don't know, you don't see what I see. So here, God, open his eyes. And this time when the servant looks, he sees thousands of soldiers, but then right behind them in the hills surrounding the city, he doesn't see thousands, he sees tens of hundreds of thousands of angels in chariots of fire. And then Elisha says, fear not, for there are more of us than there are of them. What he was saying to his servant is you're, you're you're living in a realm of fear and the reason you're stuck in your fear and in your feelings is because you can't see that God is with us. What does the scripture say? If God is for us, who can stand against us? That's, that's why I love the verse. Let's go back to the verse we started with. I love the way God constructed this phrase because it begins by building your faith to help you understand. You need to stay it with me. Well, How does it begin? It says, the Lord is on my side. God is with us. God is fighting for us. We are not alone. Now, yes, you may be in the middle of a burning hot fire, but you got to know something. God is there. He's holding you. He hasn't forgotten you. And because the Lord is on my side, I will not fear. We will not live in fear. God can take what the enemy meant for evil and he can turn it for good. Yes, we may experience pain there's some people that are experiencing so much pain right now from the loss. But you know what I love is the Bible says that God is in the middle of brokenhearted. In fact, he said, I came to heal the brokenhearted. The Bible says that he's the ever-present help in time of need. So the reality is, is are you living like that servant? Freaked out about things in life? God doesn't want you to be freaked out about. You, you've received things from the enemy that you don't have to receive because you just haven't realized that when it, affected the song that they sang at the end, uh, we sang it at the end of the last service is, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. There are more of us God is with us, so I will not fear. Say say it with me. Say, I will not fear.